0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Niko, Japan, with my new friends Derek Souza and Angus Miyagi of IACE on behalf of the Tuchigi Prefecture. Derek is a Japan travel expert that's been working in the travel industry since 2014, and Angus grew up in the Tuchigi Prefecture so he knows all the local spots. Together, they market the area on behalf of the local tourism board to attract overseas visitors. In this episode, we talk about attending the Great Visteria Festival, exploring Lake Chuzenji. And visiting the Ashikaga Flower Park, you hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting Japan, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and a one-page guide to Derek and Angus's tips are available at wetravelthere.com dot slash nico. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat drink and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having us
0: tonight. Thank you for having me. I've been doing a lot of episodes on Japan recently, and I'm I'm super excited to learn about Nikko and the Tochigi Prefecture. Uh, There's a lot of different interesting things to to do there, and I'm excited to have both you on the show to, to share your tips for the city and the area.
1: Yeah, I'm super happy to be here and kind of introduce uh, Tochigi Prefecture and Niko, um, the kind of more international audience, you know, with Japan opening up recently. It's a perfect time to go over and kind of visit Japan and kind of be able to have that experience because it's been kind of people have been wanting to visit Japan and it's one of the best places you can go in Japan. So, yeah, we're ecstatic to be here.
0: <laughs> so if people that aren't familiar with Tochigi Prefecture, where is it in the country?
1: If you're familiar with Tokyo, it's kind of in like the bottom right um, of the main island of Japan called Honshu. Tochigi Prefecture would be located uh, north of Tokyo. So, for example, like if you're taking the the bullet train, um, it would be about an hour north um, on the bullet train. So just kind of going straight up from Tokyo.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that, that train is super uh, friendly and easy to use. And so you can get pretty much anywhere on, on the island in a hurry, right? And so it's great to be able to fly into like a kind of like a major airport there. And then be able to visit Nikko and, and the Jochigi. And then you could go visit those areas in, in a hurry, right? And, and it's nice and simple and, and easy to be able to use that train.
1: Yeah, the, the bullet train is extremely convenient. Um, announcements are going to be in Japanese, English, Korean, and Chinese. So that makes it easy when you get on there. The seats are super comfortable. You can bring your luggage. That's no problem. Um, Depends. You can't bring a ton, a ton of luggage, but you can bring like two bags. No problem. Yeah. And then, for example, from uh, Tokyo Station up to what's called Utsunomiya, which is the capital of Tochigi Prefecture, it's less than an hour um, on the bullet train. And then from there, um, you can kind of get to anywhere in Tochigi Prefecture. To get to Nikko specifically. Um, There's a train that leaves there and takes about about an hour as well to get from Utsunomiya, which is the capital, to uh, Nikko City. So that's another option. But yeah, if you want to go up to a place called Nasi, which is a little bit farther north, you can do that on the bullet train. And yeah, I mean, a bullet train basically takes you anywhere in Japan that you want to go for the most part.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love being able to use public transportation like that, not having to worry about renting a car, trying to figure out what side of the road to drive on and, and trying to read the signs and everything like that. And just being able to take the train, relax, enjoy yourself. And then when you get there, you're nice and refreshed and relaxed. That way you can go out and explore the city and, and enjoy everything that, that it has to offer. Okay, so for us, the you know, say in the United States, so we're gonna we would obviously then fly into Tokyo, take the bullet train up, and then once we're in the the prefecture or like in the specifically in Nikko, obviously we're taking the train there. Then how do we get around the city? Is it is it very walkable? Do we just like, take a, like an Uber or a taxi? So how do we do that?
1: So there's a couple of different options. Um, when you get to the actual um, city area, to be honest, I think most people that go there probably want to walk to like the main attractions that are in like the Kind of walkable distance. So, for example, uh, the main tourist attractions, which is called uh, Toshogu Shrine, it's called the the shrines and temples of Nikko. It's a UNESCO World Heritage site. It's about a half an hour walk from Nikko Station. So, I've personally done the walk most of the time when I've gone there because I just love the like the kind of local atmosphere to kind of go be able to explore the city. Taxis are uh, another option. In terms of Uber in Japan, so what Uber does is Uber actually just calls a taxi company. It doesn't call like an actual Uber. (laughs) And it it doesn't work in every area of Japan. So um, you can use Uber in Japan, but it's spotty, the coverage. So um, yeah, don't be expecting to kind of like call Ubers, especially if you go to a more rural place and not like a a place that doesn't have as much uh, kind of... You know international tourism don't expect uber to work in every single area um very well yeah there's plenty of taxis there and also also a fantastic bus system so um typically you can take the bus right from the station and it'll take you anywhere you basically want to go into the nico area and then there are trains as well that get to different places but um in the directly in the nico area that kind of where the main tourist attractions are there's no trains that are taking you there besides for like the, the main station itself
0: well that makes a lot of sense well i Okay. And so if there's somebody like me that I know virtually zero Japanese, right? And so Angus, if I'm going to come there and I'm going I'm to use a taxi to get around, say I don't want to walk, or maybe it's a little later at night or you know it's a little cold or whatever, I'm going to use a taxi instead of walking. Are they going to speak English or do I need to have a translator to be able to, to learn Japanese? How do we do that as far as being able to connect with the taxi drivers as well as some of the, the local business owners?
2: Yeah, that's a good question because um, I think a lot of the times the taxi companies do have like a translator, but also if you're like in a really rural area and it's like late at night, it's kind of hard to get a taxi. If you really need to get somewhere, I'd probably ask someone to help you out. If you're like in an area where it's like, you know, dark and there's no one really around, um, it might be quite hard to get a taxi at that time. But in terms of language, I mean, most people are very friendly. And they'll be able to, you know, help you. They go out their way to help you find your way home or wherever you want to go.
0: Oh, sure, sure. And then uh, similarly, um, I know that in many ways, like Japan is like so much more advanced than the U.S. as far as, you know, all the different gadgets and technology and everything like that. Are credit cards accepted everywhere and like, you know, mobile payments or do I need to have some, some cash on me to be able to, to transact business through my visit?
2: Yeah, credit cards are usually accepted at most places, like uh, taxis or transportations. If you're going to like a local shop, sometimes they might prefer cash. Um, if you do have like a transportation card, like um, Suica card or some other, there's like these transportation cards that they have in Japan, they usually take those even if they don't take credit cards. So it is advisable to take some cash with you, but it's becoming more cashless as it used to be.
0: So you're saying like you know, these transportation cards, like the Suica card, and, and some of the others, that they actually more like act more like a like a stored value card that you can use when you're making purchases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh nice, nice. Okay, now let's take a step back. You know, if we're planning our, our visit to Nico and the Tochigi Prefecture throughout the year, you know, obviously there's different seasons and everything like that, uh, and then obviously different festivals and. Annual events that occur. So, what's the weather like throughout the year? And then, do you have any recommendations for festivals and, and annual events?
1: Japan has a very kind of like distinctive four seasons. It's very similar to like a, similar to like New England. So, uh, where you have like a very pronounced spring, summer, fall, and winter. And the winter, you'll have especially up in Nico, you'll have a lot, a lot more snow. Down in like Utsunomiya, there's less. Um, which is the capital nico's up in the mountains so there's going to be more snow then you have kind of the the spring the warming to the spring and then uh, the cherry blossoms are actually in spring Cherry blossom time is absolutely gorgeous in Japan, but um, if you're going there during the cherry blossom period, it's gonna. No matter where you kind of go, you know, there's always gonna kind of be crowds because everybody's out. Uh, certain places are gonna have more crowds than others. For example, like if you go like go to Kyoto, Kyoto is a madhouse during the cherry blossom season. Um, whereas Tochigi Prefecture, you're gonna have a lot more kind of open area places, which can be you can enjoy the cherry blossom, So it's not gonna be as crowded as a place like Kyoto. So you have the the rainy season, and then you have the the summer. Takes on, then from the summer you go into uh, the fall. Uh, fall in Tochigi Prefecture is a magical time to visit. So Kyoto gets a lot of kind of the, the reputation in Japan for a lot of like the fall colors. Tochigi is on the same level, especially in the Nikko area. The amount of like beautiful like blazing oranges and reds that you can go see on the trees up there, it's absolutely amazing. Being able to kind of see fall in Nikko. So, highly, highly recommend uh, Niko for the fall foliage. In terms of like the foliage itself, it starts, depends on where you are in Tochigi Prefecture. So, if you're kind of up on the tippity top of the mountains, it's going to be like uh, middle October um, when you kind of start reaching the peak. And then as you kind of come down in elevation, you're going to get to maybe about mid November um, when you're going to reach the peak. So, for example, like a uh, where the shrines are, um, and like the lake is in Nikko area, you're looking kind of like the end of October, beginning of November. Uh, this is kind of the best viewing period for the, the fall colors up there.
0: Nice, and it kind of aligns with a f- uh, an autumn festival that's happening in October as well, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's festivals throughout the year. For example, like um, in the winter, they have something called the Unishikikawa Onsen Festival, which is kind of north of Nikko. So, and then like uh, there is the Kanuma Autumn Festival, which is Kanuma is a city close to Utsunomiya, um, so it's a little bit away from Nikko. But then there's other kind of um, other festivals around there. There's a spring festival in Nikko itself called the Toshogu Grand Spring Festival, um, that's located in May. And up in the Nasu area, which is up in the north, um, you have other festivals as well. And then um, one of my personal favorite festivals is called the uh, Great Wisteria Festival. We were just talking about cherry blossoms before, but uh, wisteria blossoms, which are purple, which are cherry blossoms would be pink. There's this place called the Ashikaga Flower Park, which is located like two hours from either Tokyo or kind of the Utsunomiya area, I train. And they have have these old wisteria trees that are basically held up by kind of like scaffolding at this point because they're so large and kind of old. When they bloom, oh, it is absolutely amazing. Like it's one of the the most amazing kind of flower displays you'll ever see. That's in the beginning of May, if you ever kind of wanted to go visit that. It's super popular. Um, highly recommend it, though. And then um, actually during the winter when the flower park kind of, you know, most of the, the flowers have died off in the winter um, in this particular flower park, but they actually do a, an illumination. So they do a wintertime, nighttime illumination there. So you can go there and kind of see the uh, LED flowers. And they also just build like, a, they build castles. They build a kind of like a fairy tale scenery in this particular park. So absolutely amazing.
0: Oh, that is so cool. Now, obviously, when we're, we're looking at all these different cities and, and areas within the prefecture, we got to set our bags down someplace. We got to be able to get a sleep because we're, we're going to be running around and, and checking everything out. Do you have any recommendations for the best hotels in, in Nikko and in the Tochigi prefecture?
1: Uh, depending on your budget, the Ritz-Carlton Nikko opened up about three years ago, I believe. If you have the budget for it, it is unbelievable. Absolutely the best place to stay in the Nikko city itself. There's another place called the Kanaya Hotel which is um, not as high a level as the Ritz-Carlton Nikko. So it's not going to be up there in the terms of price, um, but that's also another fantastic location. And it depends on where you go in the prefecture. If you're looking for um, a traditional kind of like hot springs, uh, onsen accommodation, there's a place called Sansuikaku up uh, located in a place called Nasu, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Angus, do you have any uh, recommendations for um, locations to stay at? Yeah, there's many
2: places in Nikko obviously to stay because it's a very, you know, it's a it's a world heritage area. I know you just mentioned uh, ryokan, which is a Japanese a traditional style uh, Japanese inn with like an onsen. Um, but there are like onsen towns around Nikko, such as Kinugawa Onsen. Also, if you like to have more an authentic experience where you can like meet local people, there are places that do farm stays as well. So you can find farm staying. Also, some you know small interesting hotels which have uh, a lot of history, such as Izukate. In Nakagawa, and then obviously Utsunomiya is also a center of like the area. It's like the largest city, so there's lots of accommodation and very affordable accommodation there as well. So you could use, for example, Utsunomiya as a hub to explore the region, including places like Nikko. So there's there's many different ways and different options you can choose from when you're traveling in that area. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we've covered this in, in previous episodes with you know for for Japan, but the Ryokan, it's kind of like a it's not exactly the same thing, but it's almost like a like the equivalent of like a bed and breakfast, Japanese style versus like what you'd have in the United States, correct?
2: Yeah. Um, one thing you just have to make sure that you're okay with is sometimes they have like big public baths in the ryokan. So you might have to share, you know, like a bath um, with other people. And if you have, this is also something, you know, unique to Japan, I think, but if you have tattoos... They only have public baths. That's a bit tricky to try to book a place there, and um, because um, for certain reasons, the um, yeah, ryokans and hotels don't really like people with tattoos using their public baths. But apart from that, uh, things are very easy.
0: Oh, okay, that's that's very interesting. to no, because obviously, you know, tattoos are pretty popular here in the in the US and everything, and so uh, it's something to, to factor in when you're when you're booking those reservations because you don't want to show up and then all of a sudden. Get that that little surprise, right? Yeah. I will yeah. Add, uh, um, I'll, yeah. Go on.
1: I was gonna say I was gonna add one thing, just kind of like um, logistical aspects of staying at a DROCON. So typically, the main kind of difference I always kind of like tell people about is that they want you to arrive around six PM at the latest. So because you have the dinner included, so when you arrive, they kind of start making the dinner for you. So that means like you can't show up at eight o'clock. If you show up at eight o'clock, you're not getting dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so those kind of things, and um, so like typically when I recommend people. To do a ryokan stay, like one or two nights. If you do more than like two nights in a row, I, I think it kind of can be a little difficult to kind of kind of keep going back for dinner. But most places actually, after you stay, it depends on the lo- the ryokan. If you stay one or two nights at the location, typically the second or third night, they won't require dinner anymore. But usually for the first night, it's always going to be dinner included, so you can't. It's not negotiable. And the other thing that I will kind of um, add as an uh, addendum. Especially during peak periods when Japan's really busy, a lot of yokan will not accept one person, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you're, uh, sometimes when you go to like booking.com and stuff like that, you can't put anything but um, two people in. If you call them, sometimes you can, you can negotiate it. But a lot of times, like on the booking websites, they only set it up for two people minimum.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. It depends on the location, but the most popular ones, a lot of times they want to get paid for two dinners at least. So you kind of have to negotiate with them.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Worst case, you just got to pay a little extra and then, yes. then you will be all set. Okay, cool. Well, um, Now you mentioned a couple of the, of the things to do in, in Nico and Toshiki. Uh, let's talk about some of the other, the, the other best things to do in, in Nico when we're visiting. What are some of the things that you recommend?
1: So yeah, we were talking about the the shrines and temples of Nika, which is a a UNESCO World Heritage site. Um, There's actually kind of four places included there. So Toshogu Shrine is the main place. If you know basic Japanese history, it's kind of like uh, there was the isolation period after the warring states period in Japan. And the person who kind of ushered in that um, era was called uh, Tokugawa, Tokugawa Ieyasu. And that's where his mausoleum is. It has gold leaf. It has amazing carvings. It's magnificent. It's one of the most beautiful places you'll go to in Japan. And in that same complex, which is all within easy walking distance, there's the Noji Temple, which is like a very famous Buddhist temple. There's a Futarasan Shrine, which is a um, Japanese shrine. And then there's Taiyuin, which is um, Tokugawa Iemitsu, which is um, one of the... Uh, offspring of Tokugawa Ieyasu. His mausoleum is located there as well. So that's the main area in the Nikko area. And then um, if you go a little bit further up north, there's a place called Okuniko and uh, Lake Chuzenji. This is where the Ritz Carlton is located. That's amazing for like trekking and hiking. Absolutely gorgeous places where kind of like the fall foliage is the best.
2: Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're visiting Nikko in that region, you might as well like stay a couple of days and um, explore other places around Nikko because there's so much things to do. One place I suggest is it's kind of gaining a little bit of more popularity, but there's a place called Mashiko, which is maybe an hour from Nikko um, on the south um, borders of Tochigi Prefecture. But this place is famous for its pottery and they have like major pottery fairs twice a year, like in early May and um, early November. And many, many people come and there's many potters in the area and artists that come and do like, it's just really massive fair that people really enjoy going to. If you like artisty stuff or if you like crafts, um, Mashiko is also a very well-known area nearby. Um, there's also sake breweries, same in Niko as well, but around the area, I, there's many, many sake breweries and a lot of them also offer Tours and they also are really welcoming towards foreigners, so that's another
0: interesting thing to do while you're in the area. Yeah, I saw something that in uh, in Sano City, there's like a, a kind of almost like a world famous sake brewery there. Yeah,
2: I think that's the Daichi Shuzo. Uh, did you say Sano City? Yes. Yeah, that must be the Daichi Shuzo, which is the oldest brewery in Tochigi in this area in Tochigi Prefecture. But there are probably about 20 or so that are similar like Daichuzo around this area. So there's actually quite a lot of options to If you're in town, if you're going somewhere, it's worth checking up if there's a sake brewery around and if it offers
0: like tours or something because a lot of them do. Oh, wow, that sounds uh, like a lot of fun. But you don't want to do that on an empty stomach, right? So let's talk about some of the best food that you can find in the Tochigi Prefecture and Nico. So what are some of the rec- restaurants you recommend?
1: So in Nikko, my number one recommendation is a place called Myogetsubo. It is famous for Tochigi Wagyu. You've probably heard of Kobe beef before, I'm assuming. So Tochigi Wagyu beef is on the same level as Kobe beef. So it's absolutely amazing. And this is a steak, uh, is a grill and steak restaurant that's located in the Nikko area. So, and it's conveniently located right next to where the shrines are. So if you're going there and you have time and want to try some of the best steak in all of Japan, highly, highly, highly recommend Myogetsubo. It's absolutely amazing. And then the other place that i recommend in Tochigi Prefecture, um, just kind of there's a couple different restaurants, but it's uh, something called Yuba. So Yuba is a soy product that was kind of cultivated at, like we were talking about the temples before, is a Ninoji Temple. That's a Buddhist temple. So Buddhist monks eat vegetarian food. So they kind of have been focusing on crafting like vegetarian cuisine over the last thousand years. And Yuba from Nikko and Tochigi in general is – one of the most famous kind of vegetarian cuisines from the area. It's actually good enough to be served to the Japanese imperial family. So, one of the uh, Tochigi Yuba producers in the prefecture provides the Japanese imperial family with Yuba. Um, it's that good of quality. So, um, wow. yep. Highly recommend if you want to try the uh, the same Yuba that the imperial family eats in Japan to try some Jap- from Yuba and Nico.
0: Uh Where would we go if, uh, if we want to be able to try that?
1: Oh, the restaurant's name. I'm forgetting Takia. So, yeah, Takia is the name of the restaurant. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'm slightly
2: biased because I live in Utsunomiya, which is near Nikko. And so I'm going to talk a bit about Utsunomiya Gyoza, which is the do- dumplings. This area is famous for their dumpling Gyoza dumplings. And there's, I think, hundreds and hundreds of Gyoza restaurants around here. So I always recommend people when they go to Nikko, they usually have to change trains at Utsunomiya Station. And to get out Utsunomiya Station, walk around and go to some of the Gyoza restaurants in town. That's one thing that I think a lot of people don't do, but they should be doing because it is really you can get so many different types of gyoza as well. People just think of gyoza as like one stereotypical image of a dumpling, but there are actually very different types as well. There's fried gyoza, there's boiled gyoza, but also there are different gyoza restaurants that offer different types when i say types of gyoza like for example there might be the traditional style of gyoza but then there might be a more western style with different toppings and gyoza that pairs nicely with beer or sake or wine my favorite restaurant is actually a gyoza restaurant that's run by a chinese guy because so he kind of infused both chinese and the japanese culture into the gyoza and just really
0: amazing oh nice a little uh, fusion of the of the two different flavors there. Yeah. Well, uh, what's the name of your favorite one?
2: Uh, so my favorite place is called Samurai Jugemu.
0: And uh, just for, for the listeners, I know I, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm having trouble writing down all these different uh, recommendations. We're gonna have a map in the show notes uh, that lists all these different locations, so you'll be able to find it, and that way when you're visiting, you'll be able to uh, try all these uh, amazing foods. Yeah. Just one thing about also gyoza. If you want to try different gyoza, they also have like a there's
2: a food court. Called kirase, where you can choose different gyozas for different shops and then eat them together. So that's also something to keep in mind.
0: Oh, nice. It's almost like your own little tasting mes- menu. You can get like a couple of different ones from a couple of different places and then be able to sample it and figure out which one you like the best, right? Absolutely. Yeah. People do that there. Right on. And uh, earlier you mentioned talking about like uh, you know staying at a farm uh, as like a potential uh, opportunity for a place to stay and everything. Uh, but one of the I was looking at the, when I was doing a little research, there's actually uh, the uh, Wakayama Farm and Bamboo Forest. So there's actually like a, a really cool bamboo forest that you can go visit and it's almost like you have the entire place to yourself, right?
2: Yeah. The Wakayama Bamboo Farm is also located in Utsunomiya, but it's actually halfway towards Nikko. So You could actually get a bus from Nikko to go to the farm, or you could actually get a bus from Utsunomiya to get to the farm as well. So it's kind of in between. And the um, Wakayama Bamboo Farm is actually the largest um, bamboo farm that's open to the public in Japan. So I know that people go to Kyoto to see the Arashiyama Bamboo Pathway, but it's always a lot of a lot of people there, and it's very crowded. And people who've been to Arashiyama come to Akayama Bamboo Farm and say this is amazing because there's so much you know to do here, and you can walk and around, and you can go into the bamboo forests. And there's a guide who will come and explain to you the different types of bamboo they have because they have some bamboos they only have there. There's so many different types of bamboos. Apparently. I think he was saying 99%, the owner was telling me the other day that 99% of the bamboo that you see in Tokyo, that's like outside office buildings or like in the airports are actually from this bamboo forest in Utsunomiya. So this is worth checking out. And I've been taking a lot of people there and they all really enjoy going to this bamboo forest.
0: Yeah, what a cool experience. Well, guys, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for for Nico and the Tochigi Prefecture. I learned so much, and it sounds like such a fun place to come out and visit, so I'm definitely adding it to my list. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Nico and Tochigi, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: I will kind of go back to my previous answer of Mio Getsubyo and Nico for the Tochigi Wagyu Steak. That is some of the best steak you'll ever have in Japan. It, like I said, it's if you're looking for Kobe beef, but uh, something that will rival Kobe beef in the just the pure texture and like kind of the the marbling of what you can find in Kobe beef, highly recommend that. And I will add one other place if you're looking for amazing ramen. We were talking about the Flower Park earlier and uh, Sano City. Really close by to where the flower park is in Sano City, you can get amazing ramen at a place called Oguraya. Um, they have some of the best ramen in all of Tochigi Prefecture. So if you're a ramen enthusiast like myself, I highly recommend taking a trip over there for some of the best ramen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you can't go to Japan and not have some ramen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so many
2: wonderful places near Nikko that have amazing different types of amazing food. If you go into to Nikko Shrine's, and if you're in that area and you want to try something that's like local yuba, but then also you want something a little bit more meaty, one really nice restaurant that I like taking people is called Zen. It's on the main main road between the station and Nikko Shrines. And what's amazing about them is they do like a yuba sushi roll, but it's actually wagyu inside. So they're they're like um, small rolls with rice with wagyu inside but the outside is made with um, yuba instead of the seaweed so that is also something that if you're in the area and if you're looking for lunch before you going to the nikko uh, temples and shrines that's somewhere I'd definitely recommend going
0: absolutely like you're hitting all like the the must-dos of of Japan you got the, the sushi you got the wagyu and and you got the yuba all all rolled into one
2: yeah all in one meal
0: Right on. Well, um, I know both of you have spent a lot of time in in the Tochigi prefecture. Do either of you have like a really memorable story of of being there?
1: Um, I'll go with my most recent story. So actually um – I went drinking with Angus um, a couple weeks ago, and we went out with some other people as well, and we kind of did some uh, some gyoza to start off, and then we kind of went bar hopping and just kind of had fun. Japan has a really fun kind of like uh, nightlife and drinking culture, especially in Utsunomiya. So yeah, if you're ever in Tochigi Prefecture and in Utsunomiya specifically, and uh, you kind of want to go for like a, a pub crawl with some amazing gyoza, it's a, a fantastic place to do it.
2: Yeah, I I have to say that also mine is also related to drinking. So um, (laughs) hopefully anybody listening who likes um, to have a nice fun day out with alcohol, is definitely a place to come. But yeah, my most memorable story is probably when I go out drinking with the sake breweries. So once in a while, we get together and we have a, we have a drink either at the brewery or, or nearby places. Sometimes they, the breweries actually have festivals, so they, they open their breweries and you can go drinking there as well. But going for like drinks with the breweries is just my favorite time.
0: Absolutely. Nothing like a little uh, liquid courage and be able to bring up all the fun times and be able to hang out with your friends. Uh, speaking of uh, good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in, in, uh, in Nico?
1: I don't know if you've ever um, heard this from other podcasts about Japan, but in Japan, they have something called nomi hodai, which translates to all you can drink. So a specific happy hour doesn't really exist. It's kind of always happy hour at these locations where you go in and you pay for typically it's like uh, an hour or two and you get to drink as much alcohol as you'd like. So this is available at not just in Niko, but in restaurants all across Japan. So yeah, highly recommend that if you're in that, uh, if you're going to uh, Tochigi and you just kind of want to go out for dinner and have some uh, some drinks, you can get a Nomi Hoda. It's not available in every restaurant, but um, it's available in a lot of them.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna to have to second that as well. I think the the nomihodai culture is is amazing. And like Derek was saying, there's no really time limits um in terms of like you go early, you get a discount. It's usually you can go anytime and you can just order a Nomi Hodai. Usually that's about sixty minutes to two hours. An hour between an hour and two hours. You drink all you all you like. Yeah, you just have to make sure that when you're when you're ordering food to ask for the nomi hodai before you start drinking, obviously, because once you start drinking, you can't really then change to a nomi hodai. Um, but yeah, there's some places that even offer you soft, soft drinks for nomi hodai as well. So I would definitely do a nomi hodai in Japan. Oh that sounds really cool.
1: It was a lot of fun in college in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now there was a lot of fun nights.
0: <laughs> I can imagine for sure. Now whenever I travel I always like uh try to check out the local pizza it gives me a little taste of home and and that way when I'm exploring all the foods but I still get a little something something from from home. So what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in in Tochigi prefecture?
1: I'm going to go with the Ritz-Carlton um, because the Ritz-Carlton always does amazing food. But I'm sure Angus is going to have a much better answer than me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the Ritz-Carlton did pizza. <laughs> yeah, there's for pizza, there's two things that I recommend. One, pla- one thing is a place in uh, Utsunomiya. And it's an area called Oya, which is famous for Oya Stone. This particular stone um, was used by uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, which is an American architect. He used it for his buildings. But Oya stone is also nice for making like a pizza oven. So there are some places that make pizza using the Oya stone pizza oven in Oya. And another place that I really like is Hachinojo restaurant, which is also in Utsunomiya. They actually have their main restaurant called Hachinojo, and then they have a, a small, like a window at the back called Pizza Hachi, and so that place does really amazing pizza, and I always
0: order pizza from there. Fantastic! And do you have any recommendations for the the place with the Oya Stone?
2: A lot of the times, it's it, it could be like um, on a what do you call it? like a food truck. Sometimes they're on food trucks and stuff. So you need to kind of like search online for like Oya Stone Pizza, and I'm sure
0: it will pop out. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for one and I'll add it to the map. Now, obviously, you know, there's so much to do in Tochigi Prefecture and everything like that. What would a good travel tip be uh, for somebody coming to this area for the first time?
1: So there's a couple different passes you can get from Tokyo that will be convenient to access Tochigi Prefecture. There's different railways in Japan. So there's JR, which is Japan Rail Lines. And then there's kind of local railways as well. Um, And this one's called Tobu Railways. So actually from Tokyo itself, you can get something called either the Nikko World Heritage Area Pass or the Nikko All Area Pass. And these allow you to kind of have like um, all the trains you can um, kind of covers your trains all the way to Nikko. So for example, like the Nikko World Heritage Pass will cover your trains from Tokyo to Nikko. And it's cheaper than just buying normal tickets, and that's good for two days. Whereas the Nico all Nico all area pass, which is I think about four thousand between 5000 yen, depending on the time of the year. Um, it's actually it's more expensive in the peak times and cheaper in the, the kind of the off season. So for five days total, and that allows you to like all the bus systems in Nico, and then um, it ha- covers the trains and the bus systems going um, to Nico. So those are like incredible values. And then the, uh, the other one would be the um, JR Tokyo Wide Pass, which is uh, 15,000 uh, yen. And that will cover um, the bullet train. That will cover uh, the local trains as well and allow you, especially if you're going multiple places in um, Tochigi Prefecture, you know it's good for up for three days. And that will kind allow you to use the, the bullet train all you want, um, to use the local trains all you want within that three days. The JR pass, which you might have heard of before, that was kind of the most popular pass. To be honest, I don't know if it's really worth it anymore, um, where these local passes actually are more kind of value for um, what you're doing in, in Tochigi Prefecture.
0: Perfect. Perfect. That, that sounds good because like you said, you know, a lot of times people just default to the one that they've heard of before, but maybe that one doesn't have the same value. So it's better off getting one of those local passes instead. You're going to get a lot more value and, and be able to use it a lot better to visit the destination you're trying to visit.
1: Yeah, the, the JR pass is definitely kind of, it was kind of the king of the passes before, but um, they just raised the price significantly in uh, in October of uh, 2023. So um, yeah, going forward, these kind of area passes are probably going to be a better value, whereas the JR pass, you're going to have to do your research, honestly, to see if it's actually a better value, because a lot of times it's not going to be a better value in the end.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I actually, my, my tip would be to do some research on what kind of events and festivals are going on um, when you're traveling, because Japan has a lot of events and um, festivals, even in near Nikko and the surrounding areas. Like uh, at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking about the different festivals. And so anytime you travel to Nikko or the places around it, there's always going to be something going on. And not all the time it's easy to find this information because a lot of the time it's not in English, but um, a lot of the local tourism boards, uh, places like that, they've tried to showcase their festivals and events in English as well. So. I would definitely try to do a Google search on the place you're going, and then maybe events and festivals or something after that to see if there's anything going on that might be really interesting, because you don't want to go there and like miss a major festival and something fun going on like just 10 minutes away or something like that, and also the timing, you want to make sure that you you have time to to go to those kind of um, events and festivals as well. so definitely I recommend googling like the events and festivals when you're when you're traveling to, to Nico and, and the area around there.
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Guys, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for, for Nico and the Torchiki Prefecture. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, my name is uh, Derek Souza. So I've been working in the uh, Japan tourism industry for um, the last uh, 10 years. So I have um, a bunch of experience with kind of doing that. Um, I've been all over Japan. Um, I lived in Japan for a significant amount of time. Um, I haven't been to have been to every prefecture yet, but I've been to most prefectures in Japan. I'm just kind of crazy about um, introducing Japan and helping people visit Japan.
2: I also work in um, tourism. Um, I run a website called NearbyTokyo.com, which kind of helps visitors discover the, like, the off-the-beaten track or the hidden undiscovered places that you can visit from Tokyo, including places like Nikko and the places that we discussed today. And a lot of the information it's kind of hard to find the small hidden gems in in english so what we try to do is we try to make that into english and we have a website that tries to promote the area so that's kind of what i do i help local businesses and tourism industries to try to attract more foreign tourists and bring tourists here yeah that's what i do i i grew up in this area and um i lived overseas for a while but I came back a couple of years ago to help promote this area and bring more tourism here.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a great service because, yeah, I mean, as much as you want to be able to rely on the visitors, to bureaus, and other websites, sometimes things are lost in translation. So somebody like you that can translate it for us and, and accentuate those hidden gems that we may miss otherwise is, uh, is a awesome service. So if somebody has questions about Nico, Tochigi uh, Prefecture, or anything else, What's the best way to reach either one of you on social media?
1: Easiest way to reach me actually would be uh, through uh, IACE Travel. Or also you can reach us through the, the Tochigi Facebook. So Tochigi uh, Prefecture has a uh, Facebook. And um, yeah, if you send a message to them, um, I can certainly help them out. Or maybe Angus can help them out as well. Um, Someone be able to kind of respond to them as well.
2: Yeah, the easy way to reach me would probably be through nearbytokyo.com website. There's a contact form. If you're on Facebook, um, you can also find Nearby Tokyo on Facebook or Instagram and contact me through those social medias as well.
0: Well, guys, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much for having us today.
0: Thank you very much for having us. That was a pleasure. What an awesome conversation with Derek and Angus. I love the idea of spending all day exploring the historic temples, eating delicious food, then relaxing in the traditional onsen natural hot spring. You can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide to Derek and Angus's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Nico. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner in today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can stay wrinkle-free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEED to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we speak with my new friend, Fernando Diaz of Quasar Expeditions. In this episode, Fernando and I talk about snorkeling with penguins, relaxing on the white sand beaches of Española, and exploring the island of Genovesa, a collapsed caldera known as Bird Island. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at There or email me at WeTravelThere.com where it says contact to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.